If you're still with us after a long night against the Celtics, <laughs> welcome back to the Wix 30 podcast. Uh, Ian Evans is back. He survived the brutal loss. And we're going to talk about that game and kind of a, a very dark future that the Wizards have ahead of them. But Ian, I guess give us your thoughts on just just anything that you're thinking about with John Wall, with the trade rumors, with, you know, if he has a bad game, everybody is saying trade him. If he has a really good game, everybody's saying, you know, keep him or they're nitpicking. Like what what's going on with, you know, the state of the Wizards with John Wall right now? I actually thought the Wizards played really well um, at that game against Boston. I, I felt like they had a pretty complete game from everyone that was on the court except for maybe Bradley Beal which I don't know. The problems with the team might go deeper than what we think as far as like why can't why can't John Wall and Bradley Beal both play well at the same time? You know what I mean? It, right. It seem weird to you? Like there, it seems like when one has a great game, the other one, you know, John Wall was, he was, uh, I, I, that was maybe his best game of the season. He, he was electric down the stretch, getting to the rim. He was facilitating at a high level. He's playing really good defense. And then Bradley Beal was doing that. Like, they needed him to just, like, hit a couple of open looks. He airballed one wide-open corner three. And then he, late in the game, he just kept turning the – he kept throwing the ball to no one in particular, dribbling the ball off his knee out of bounds. It was weird, man. It was a weird it – it's been a weird week if you're a Wizards fan. You had John Wall getting one point. <laughs> God, I forgot about that. <laughs> he was funny. That's, after the game, man. that's basically my example of, you know, when I think from here on out, hopefully, I mean, I don't know. It, it depends. We've talked about it before, but if John Wall is here for the entirety of his contract, it's going to get really old. The people that come out of the woodworks when he has bad games and then don't say a word when he has good games. Yeah. But, it's weird because it's he'll play he'll play really well for a stretch, right? For right. three, four, five games. Put a like the stat lines are ridiculous. The the impact on the court is evident. But then he'll have one bad game, and it's it's not just with him. It's the Wizards in general. I feel like they had been playing really well, and, and they were beating bad teams. But whatever you take it in the NBA, let alone when you're the Wizards and you started out as poorly as the team did, you'll take any wins you can get. They were stringing together wins or playing well at one point. Before this three-game losing streak, they had won 9 of 14. And then after that one loss, I think it was uh, against – was it against Indiana? It's, it's like one loss. I've never seen a team that is so affected by a single loss. Right. Where it feels like the sky is falling – Everyone, yeah. it, feels, it feels like they need to blow it up, even though they had been playing really good. So it's just kind of weird. The the whole the whole aura the team has given off right now is weird. Uh, but you know what they say, Arthur? If it if it ain't broke, play. <laughs> the good old RG three logic. Did you hear the Did you hear the John Wall quote after the game? It was really yeah. funny. Yeah, where they were like, "You looked really hurt, man." Like, and then you came back in. What happened? He was like, "Well, you know, if if it ain't broke," and then he kind of just 
He like had that look like he was like, well, you know the rest of the saying. <laughs> and uh, the the reporter, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who it was. He, he's been covering the NBA well. He was like, don't fix it. And the ball was like, nah, man, what? No, you play. <laughs> so yeah, funny. that, uh, I mean, that kind of speaks to like a bigger issue that I have. All, all things aside, like Ernie Grunfeld sucks. Scott Brooks is terrible with his rotations. You know, Bradley Beal can't hit open three. Otto Porter, after he scores 10 points in the first quarter, doesn't do much the rest of the game. Oh, John Wall prints it over. He's on the team still, right? Right, exactly. I mean, that, that's that's if we if we're without Wall, we miss his impact. If we're without Porter, it's like, oh, I forgot we had a twenty-six million dollar player on this team Jeff that doesn't Green play much. very well. I don't know if Otto Porter would have given you that production, honestly. Which is Jeff terribly Green, sad. Twenty-two points on ten shots, and I feel like Jeff Green's been good. I feel like he's been good all year. Um. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of uh, like, sure. I still would have preferred to have Mike Scott, honestly. Um, I, get I felt like I felt like Mike Scott was more what we need right now, just shooting. Like we're right now, all of our players. Is there any single player that you feel confident when they shoot a three pointer? Like yesterday when Beal made his threes, I was legit surprised. Like when I saw it go up, I was like, "This is gonna be a miss," and then it went in. And I was like, "Oh, he made it! Let's go!" Yeah, like, the only the only player. I mean, I do feel like in the corner, Jeff Green's been money this year. I'd have to pull up the percentages, but I feel like they're pretty high. I feel like Kelly Oubre has been very Jekyll and Hyde, um, and hot and cold, which is kind of like everyone else that you mentioned, like Bradley Buell, John Wall. It's it's right. always like a crapshoot. Whether even if it's an amazing look, because in the NBA, these guys are so good. When someone's really wide open. They're, they're probably going to make the shot. Right. Not, but not with this team because they don't yeah. really have that many. There's really no elite shooters outside of Otto Porter, who I will say, even, even now with the way he's playing, um, and he kind of just doesn't show up for multiple games, it seems, every week. He, right. When he gets a good look from three, I do think it's going in. And, more, and a lot of the time it does. Like, I, I, feel, like, yeah. I feel like he's – we've never – We've never thought that Otto Porter's not a great shooter because he's a really good shooter. There's, yeah. other, there's just other things that are really wrong with his game right now. Definitely. Um, if you had to guess right now, what is the highest three-point percentage from any individual player on the Wizards right now, if you had to guess? Is it Jeff Green? Uh, no, it is not Jeff Green. It can't be Kelly Oubre because his home and road splits are completely insane. Right. Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, I was going to say Wall, but it can't be John Wall. Nope. Jason Smith? <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if I told you who has the worst three-point shooting percentage, you'd be able to guess that. Is that Bradley Beal? No, it's Austin Rivers. 30.1%. Um, 30, 30, what, 30, what's his percentage? 30.1. Okay, because I know Bradley Beal is at, what, 32% right now? Beal is at 32.4. Man, that's um, so bad for him. It's it's terrible. I mean, he has a perfect jump shot. He's the next Ray Allen. 
but he's only shooting. Yeah, that was that was young, earlier in his career. We need to get rid of that because he's not the next. Yeah, player. no, he's not. He's not. I mean, at this point, they're kind of who they are at this point. He's, Bradley Beal is a very good player, but he's yeah so infuriating to root for. Um, it's weird too, like just analyzing his game. Some nights he's so good, and other nights he's just so bad. Right. It's really strange, man. Who's shooting better from three, Markeith Morris or Jeff Green? Oh God, maybe Markeith Morris. Yep, he's shooting 35.5%, and Green is 33.8%. No, the team lead, who I never actually got to, uh, was Otto Porter, 36.8%. Oh, Um, obviously, I should have guessed that. God, man, everyone on the team is shooting below their career three-point average. But then you look at, like, how many attempts Porter has, and if he had as many as Beal, like, maybe the Wizards have a couple more wins. But, you know, second is Thomas Adoransky, who... Yeah, you figure because he's so just super efficient. I mean, even more than Otto, he really doesn't shoot. Right, 36.7. 36.7 for Sato? Yep. Pretty good. I mean, yeah, honestly, that's not bad. So you would like you would like Wall to be around the 37, 38. Um, right now he's at 31.5. You would want Beal to be, you know, flirting with 40, you know, 39, 40. Yeah, man, do you remember the days – Earlier in his career, when Bradley Beal was shooting, it was like 41% from three, but then it was like 44% from the corner. Yep. And and it was and and when that was happening, John Wall was also far and away the league leader in uh, manufacturing those corner threes. Right. And that's when the Wizards they were you know upsetting playoffs and. It, it it felt like the team then had more defined roles for each player. But now when you're watching, and you mentioned like Scott Brooks earlier, and a lot of people have been talking about Scott Brooks and his lack of creativity and kind of reminiscent of OKC and his head coaching days there. He He's really, the Wizards really are not running any kind of offense. I was watching that Celtics game, and I, like I said, I think they played well. I think Boston is probably just better than them than the Wizards right now, but they play well. They're not running any sort of offense. There might be a few sets here and there. Like I think I saw like a horn set once or twice. John Wall or Bradley Beal or Austin Rivers or Jeff, they're literally just isoing. They're dribbling the, the air out of the ball until there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock. And it's basically like, all right, guys, person who has the basketball, try and do something, please. And it's almost like it's more of like a it's almost, it's more of like a prayer system than any kind of offense. It's so weird. You're not running any plays. It's so strange to me. Yeah, it, it's it's disturbing, honestly, and that's why you know I've kind of been more on the fire Scott Brooks train as of late. It's not going to happen. It, it's really not. But for those exact reasons, I, we are wasting John Wall. There's no way that we should ever have a possession where John holds the ball for 10 seconds and then pulls up for a jumper. No matter what, if he's if he has 30 points, if he has two points, he should never be doing that. The ball should be swinging around. And most importantly, and it gets back to your point earlier about how it's strange that, you know, either Wall goes off or Beal goes off and the other just kind of sits back. I think if you stagger them, that's where you can give them the opportunity to kind of get their own. Like if John plays, you know, right now we don't have any shooters, but if we, if Austin Rivers would have worked out, 
you know, if Markeith Morris, Kelly Oubre, Otto Porter, that would be a lineup I would want to see with Thomas Adaransky. That's just a bunch of, you know, movement. There's some shooting there. And then with Bradley Beal, you can pair him up, you know, with, with just, you know, Thomas Sadoransky, if Troy Brown Jr. could see the court, I would love to see that with him. Hold the set you know what? You bring up a good – let's get into that. I want to ask you real quick. What do you think – what what type of player, when you, when you look at Troy Brown Jr., what you've seen from him so far, what do you think he is? Position-wise? Yeah. I mean, he's basically like the new uh, – hybrid player that everybody's fallen in love with the like six foot five point guard or you know yeah six seven point you guard said the word there you said point guard I right. feel like he would be a really really good point guard when you look at you've seen you've seen his passing ability already on display and he's he's gotten almost no run this year it's so weird you draft someone with the 15th pick in the draft and he's promising, and he's he was one of the youngest players available, period. Like we had talked about it earlier, he just turned 19 recently. Right. He's got an advanced feel for the game. You can already see it, like when he's out there. He's a great defender. He's a good athlete. He's not like an insane athlete, but he's a good athlete. He's got size, length, the basketball IQ is there. And his handles, his ability to like handle the basketball, he's already – the second best ball handler on the entire roster, maybe behind John Wall. And and he's 19. And you're letting that kind of just sit in the G League and and sit on the bench and kind of like, why aren't you? I don't every night we play a different the Wizards play another team where they've got a rookie draft pick getting like 15, 20, 25 minutes, whether the team is good or bad. And I just don't get why Scott Brooks doesn't play this really promising, really talented, really fun to watch 19 year old when you're right. not even, you're not even that good. The wizards aren't like a good basketball team right now to not be doing play the young guy. And, it, yep. and, and I wanted to ask you, do you think it's because he knows he's going to have nothing to do with his development because he's not going to be here? Like, do you think that's in his head? He thinks it's like, what's the point of developing him? I'm gonna, if we don't if we don't do something crazy this year, I'm going to be gone anyway. I think that's uh, that's definitely why, or at least why I'm holding out hope, because there's no reason to be playing Bradley Beal forty plus minutes, which we talked about last time, and it's almost like he's playing to save his job. So instead of a lottery game, a, a game that we play against a lottery team, which any other organization would be like, look at the Raptors. They rest their star player against the Warriors. Against the Warriors. And that's the Raptors. Yeah, they were they're, the they're, an adult, they're an adult grown up organization where where the the GM and the coach they make very adult personnel decisions. And right. they go to guys and like, you're sitting this night. We don't care what you say, you're not playing. And if you lose by fifty who cares? You can point to the fact that you had your star player sitting. But if you win, that's what is going to give Toronto the confidence this year that they've never had before, that they can go all the way to the finals. I'm not saying they can win it, but I'm personally a big fan of what Toronto is doing. And if you think about, think about, the, young, think about the young kids that have developed in Toronto, when you look like OG on Anubi and you look at Pascal Siakam, those, if imagine if they had been drafted by the Washington Wizards, which would never happen because Ernie Grunfeld is doing the drafting, but you get what I'm saying. 
imagine that those guys were drafted by the Wizards a year ago, two years ago, whatever. We still wouldn't have really seen them yet. They'd be on the bench. They'd just be sitting there rotting. There'd be no development. And but now you look at you look at those guys, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh my God! Well, Siakam might end up being an All Star, like a perennial right. every year at his position, like All Star, second team All Defense. These are things he's capable of." When you look at Troy Brown Jr., it's fun. I feel like coaches overthink stuff sometimes, and maybe they don't have the perspective we have. Because do you, do you think it might even almost be a detriment to sit in practice and watch some of these guys? Because maybe you're sitting there during practice and you're looking at Austin Rivers going, man, look at, he's, he's hitting everything. Look at how hard he's playing. He's got, he's a great, he's great at handling the ball, solid passer. Austin's pretty good at everything. And you kind of lose perspective, like outside of practice, like how are they actually performing in the game? You know? Right. Sometimes I wonder about that. Cause me, people like me and you, we rarely get to actually go and see practices. Sometimes we bust out the media pass and actually take a trip down there or whatever if we want to, but we only really see the team playing on the court in a game. And we take what, what we think and like based off performances we see in an actual NBA game, I, I feel like Scott Brooks is really complicating it for himself and overthinking stuff. Because on the one hand, you said he's coaching for his job, and that's why he's like, well, I, I can't play this 19-year-old player. But on the one hand, if he would just stop for a second and realize who he's playing over that player, realize, okay, I'm playing Austin Rivers, he's giving me nothing, right? right. I'm, playing, I'm playing Kelly Oubre. Certain, I, I don't know how you feel about Kelly Oubre. Um, there are just some nights where him on the court really hurts the team. So you're in this thing where you've got this talented young kid and he can't see the court, not because of ability, not because of talent, not because how he fits with the team and what kind of skill set and toolkit that he would bring to the court. It's only because of what financial reasons, money reasons, the year, the year you're like kind of taking a number and stamping it onto his forehead and saying, well, this is your first year. So you're not going to see the court. I think that's really emblematic of the franchise in general and kind of the way that, you know, out of touch, right? Right. There was a phrase where you asked me, what do you think when you think of the Washington Wizards? From the top down, it's out of touch. They are so out of touch and clueless right now. And it's, it's just weird, man. It's really, it's getting to the point already in this season now where it's perplexing, you know? I mean, there's there's no bigger slap in the face than the Wizards trading away Jason Smith for Sam Decker, and here you are thinking about the possibilities that, oh, maybe Devin Robinson will play. Maybe Troy Brown will play. They're busting their butt in the D League, in the G League, and you know when they've played on the court, they've shown signs that, hey, maybe they can contribute. And then Sam Decker gets playing time. It's so weird. Again. Like, this isn't the first time that this happens. You know, we go back to Tom Sanaransky last year. He had an amazing second half of the season, kind of fell off towards the end. In my opinion, Toronto definitely exposed him with, you know, applying pressure and on the offensive or on the defensive end, kind of exposing his slow mobility. But you sign a guy off the streets and you play him like major minutes in the playoffs after a player that earned that playing time. 
doesn't see the court. Yeah, that was strange. And that could have cost the Wizards a series that they had tied up in two games with the Raptors, you know, if Sadoransky was actually able to just be the point. But, I mean, it's so it's so weird to me because if you want to look at Devin Robinson and Troy Brown Jr. and and also Thomas Bryant, who finally got a shot only because of Dwight Howard getting hurt. Right. You look at, you know, there's there's a really small sample size of data when you look at the per 36 minutes and the plus minus for players like Devin Robinson and Troy Brown Jr. But so, but, but the analytics do tell you when these guys are playing, they're really, really good already. But even if you're not an analytics guy like Scott Brooks, he's kind of, he said he was, you know, really big on the Sloan conferences when he was out of work before he got hired and then he came back, but it doesn't seem like he's keeping up with that anymore. Um, but even if you're just using the eyeball test, if you're Scott Brooks and you just watch them when they're out there on defense and on offense, they just look good. And I, I don't know why he's complicating all of this for himself. If they're out there and they look like they're really, really good at certain things, just play them. You know, right. you, talk, you talk about Bradley Beal and John Wall getting all these heavy minutes. What would alleviate that? I don't know, a 6'5 guard that's really good at facilitating and has good court vision and he can handle the ball and play good defense? Yeah, that would be a good backup to either of those guys to alleviate some of these 40-plus minute nights. Uh, I don't know. Like, Do you feel like the team could use a, a 6'9", freakishly athletic guy in transition who can also kind of shoot the basketball a little bit? Like Devin, no. Devin Robinson has value. Yeah, it's like, who would say no? Uh, who would say no to that? Right. Like I mean, they they're just in the G League, kind of just getting reps against not very good players. And and the yeah, and have you seen their numbers? numbers? Have you yeah. seen their numbers in the G League? They're they're like destroying kids in the G League. To bring them up and play them, it's so weird. It, it's again, yeah. It's the Wizards have always, always as an organization, not just Scott Brooks, have favorited you know the veteran presence versus the up and coming talent. You know, that's why we don't value draft picks because we look at those as, you know, just bodies on the bench instead of, you know, a cheap way to find talent that you can hold on to for like three or four years before they, you know, hit free agency. And then you have to decide whether you give them the big money or not. But ideally, you know, I'm looking at the Wizards schedule right now. I, I know we mentioned this, you know, we talk on Twitter and stuff like that, but if I, if I were running the Wizards, if I were looking at the table and noticing, hey, John has good days, John has bad days. When he has bad days, he has to sit. When he has good days, he can play. And as you can see, three days off for John Wall did wonders. He looked day and night. The John Wall that put up a point against uh, Atlanta was not the... Wait, was it Atlanta or Cleveland? Cleveland. The the John Wall that put up one point against Cleveland was day and night compared to the one that played last night against Boston. Yeah, and, and it's all about like if they just they're supposed to be monitoring him, you know, and communicating right. with him. And if he's got the bone spurs, and I don't know if you've ever had those, I've had those before. They're it's really painful. It hurts really bad. Sometimes you feel like you can't even walk. And yeah, I mean, if I if, if he's feeling that, 
then the coach should be able to go, okay, listen, John, we're, we're just going to let you rest tonight. Stay off your foot. Yeah. And, and, and the, the reality of it is the type of player John Wall is, he, his athleticism-based style of play, speed-based style of play, they need to get better at preserving him or else he's going to constantly have these nagging injuries. So right. you need you need to, as a coach and as a staff, you need to be able to regulate him a little bit better. You can't just have him run out there every night. And the truth is, too, you don't need to. Even to win basketball games, you don't no. need to have John Wall playing every nope. single night. The reason John Wall's on the team at this point is to hire your ceiling for the playoffs. Right. And not to beat lottery teams. So yeah. – Looking at the schedule, you know, we, we play Brooklyn tomorrow night, Friday night. We play the Lakers Sunday. Then we have two full days off, or no, just like a regular, you know, schedule yeah. at Atlanta the first night of a back-to-back. So you rest him at Atlanta, let Beal, let Porter, let Thomas Bryant, let, you know, the young guns run the show. Then the next night you play at Houston – who's struggling, you have a healthy John Wall that's been sitting for three days, go all out against Houston. You come back home Saturday to play Phoenix, which if Devin Booker's not playing, is another game that you could rest John. But at that point, you know, you've been off since Wednesday for a Saturday game. But the next day you're at Indiana, where those that game is way more meaningful than beating the Suns. So you could essentially have John Wall play two games in a week or you can have him play the second night of a back-to-back, play 40 minutes against Phoenix, and then you know just die in, in Indiana. And it's unfortunately it's a little bit too early for this, but if he's dealing with an injury that has good and bad days, I would bank on, I want my team to carry us, which they've shown they can do, and I want John to come back for those marquee games. So to end the month, we play after Indiana, we have three days off. We play uh, the Pistons. Then we have the Bulls, and the next night, the Hornets. You have them play against the Pistons. You rest them against Chicago. You play them against the Hornets. And that way, you're starting to, hopefully, Otto Porter takes a step if he's playing. You have Bradley Beal running the show. You know, If you're thinking, hey, we could trade Bradley Beal for something, he's increasing his trade value. Hopefully Kelly Oubre, you know, can kind of continue his recent stretch. And you go into January with, okay, well, we might have figured something out. Because then you look at January, we're not going to, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but the first week of January, you have three games and that are winnable to start off. So you could go into January on a winning streak and start January continuing that winning streak and then you have oklahoma city who completely demolished us the last time we played yeah but you make but you're making a good point and there's nothing the the scenario that you're running through right now as far as resting john wall every now and then regulating his minutes regulating his back-to-backs regulating what games he is playing in and not playing in and then it makes so much sense and it would open up a lot of other opportunities as far as the roster goes for a player like Troy Brown Jr. So then what you're doing is you're developing your young talent leading up to the playoffs, and you're also keeping John Wall fresh leading up to the playoffs, where we all know John Wall, 
he's by far there's there's no other like not regular season or or any other time of the year john wall in the playoffs is a completely different player yep in regular season john wall because john wall, in, in, the, in the regular season he's so like some nights he he's he the efforts there other nights he couldn't care less but in the playoffs he's very locked in he's engaged and he can he's so good that he can carry the wizards to a win by himself and and what you're doing when you if you could just rest him play him in meaningful games maybe within the conference like you know if you know there's a tiebreaker all these things you can rest him every now and then you don't need to play him every single night you mentioned back-to-backs i don't think you should be playing on back-to-backs if he has a little nagging injury especially when it's so extreme when you have a lottery team one night and a playoff team the next night and, and Arthur, you saw, like, you watched that Cleveland game. He did not look. He could barely move. Yep. He could barely move. I, I knew from the jump. I was like, oh, man, something's wrong. So, and then, of course, against the Celtics, you're like, oh, look at this. He's having a good day. He, the bone right. spurs aren't, aren't really bothering him. He's playing out of his mind. It would let you insert Troy Brown in, into the rotation. It would keep John Wall fresh. The team would still be able to win. And then when the playoffs come, you have 100% healthy John Wall. And you have depth. Like maybe Troy Brown turns into something. Maybe Sadoransky takes another step. Maybe, you know, Devin Robinson is uh, someone that you can play. Just looking at how Toronto got to the Eastern Conference Finals, even though they got embarrassed by LeBron, there is a formula there. Like you're not going to be able to beat the Celtics. You're not going to be able to beat the Raptors because depth alone – they're, they're going to win that series because yeah, Kyrie's going to play 32 minutes, 31 minutes, the only, and they're going to get all the production. The only way to truly develop a young player is to give them in-game reps. You can, right. you can improve in practice. You can have good practices. You can work on your game and your off time off the court. The only way to truly become a reliably, consistently good player in the NBA is to get actual burn in meaningful NBA games. Right. So until that happens, these young promising kids that are on the Wizards bench, they're not going to do anything. And they're the, not. The sad thing is too, to kind of wrap up here, but I, I feel like everything we're talking about, it's not going to happen. Scott Brooks is he's pressing. He's playing guys way too many minutes. Uh, he John Wall is the type of player where unless you go to him and say we don't care what you want, you're not playing, he's going to play. He's going to play if he's got a broken hand. He's going to play if, you know, he, he said after the game the other day, we were joking about it earlier, if it ain't broke, play. <laughs> Which is, Which is this an is awful mind. Quote, but it's funny. Yeah. But he's going to be on the court, man, if he can play. And that's whether he realizes it, whether Scott Brooks realizes it or not. That's not a good thing. If that's a perfect way to wrap up the show, we laid out right. a pretty good game plan well, to rest John Wall, to get him fresh, to get the Wizards to win, to build some depth. This weekend, the Wizards have uh, the Brooklyn Nets Friday night, the Lakers Sunday, a back-to-back at Atlanta, at Houston, and then you know that'll be the end of the week. We'll be back after those four games. I'm looking at it and I can confidently say, you know, one win confidently. So. There's a lot of opportunity there. There's Definitely. A lot of opportunity there. Cause those teams aren't that great. Um, you look at Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn always plays hard. 
they're well coached, but they have no talent. No offense to any Nets fans. Um, the Lakers are – they have LeBron. It's it's always going to be tough when you're playing him. Atlanta's awful. But, again, you, you just don't know this team, man. Yep. Just That's know. the thing. Yeah. Maybe if they rest Wall and you free, get that type of effort. Free Troy Brown Jr. Yes, that is the it's new time. hashtag. Free Sato. The, the free Sato hashtag's done. He's been freed. It's free Troy Brown. Yeah. I'll make sure to put that to this tweet. But um, thank you for joining us. Make sure to check us out on SoundCloud, on iTunes. I am at District Mamba, your host of this show. I had Ian Evans with me. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealIan underscore E. And we'll catch you next week for hopefully an above 500 record. See you guys next week. Free Troy Brown. Free Troy Brown.